Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Stephanie, welcome back. Hey, Hans. I'm happy to be home. <laughs> Back from China. Folks, welcome. So glad that you uh, joined uh, Stephanie and I. We're back together and uh, here to share some of our stories and wisdom on our own journey to be our most awesome selves. And uh, how are you feeling? You're a little bit of jet lag going on. Yeah, I do. I'm getting up at all times of the of the day and night and having super weird crazy cravings to have breakfast at three in the morning and, you know, noodles at four in the afternoon. But, you know. Well, that's good. And you're but the thing is, you're gone for, what, 10 days. And then uh, so it really is a time where you get re you get acclimatized to where you were. China's what, 14 hours difference. So it was 16 for us in B.C. And I think you're right. Um, when it's a four-day trip for a Grand Prix or a final or something like that, it's four days. I can go in, go out, and I don't even notice the time zone uh, change. But when this one was two days in travel, seven-day competition, and then I spent a couple days with uh, with Nina. So it, it kind of it extended the trip in a way that forced me to get onto the time zone, which is a little bit harder to come off of. Yeah, and it's harder for me to be around you when you come home. So, but the dogs and I missed no kidding, you. Right? <laughs> the dogs and I missed you. So, welcome home. Thank you. Okay, so we've got a few things to talk about, and you know, big shout out to listeners. You know, something that I just got this note from our brand guy and uh, and our team, and we are ranked number fifteen in a business on Apple and our entrepreneurship and number. 47 or something in business. So anyways, in Canada. And uh, so that's pretty cool. That's a good yeah, ranking. Yeah, good for you. High five. So um, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters family. Hang in there and uh, we'll keep doing what we're doing and always aim to get better. And I'm sure people are happy to have you back. I know I'm happy to have you back. I don't think uh, anybody, you know, uh, enjoyed my monologues, but I'll keep getting better. I'll keep getting better. And, uh, you know, as long as you're flying away. That's it. Well, you know, I appreciate that you do them because I think it keeps it going. And I listen to them because I like to hear your voice. And <laughs> what I do like is that you pick certain things and topics and quotes and stuff, and then you break them down and dig into them. And I think when you do that, it, it gives people an insight into into how you think and how we think and, and how we create our lives. And, you know, none of that's easy. You know, doing it together is not easy, but honestly, doing it by yourself cannot be easy. Well, for me, it's not. I mean, there's people that are really, really great at it and good for them. Now, you know, in the uh, in the spirit of digging down on things and unpacking and, you know, one of the, of course, our theme for 2024 is clarity equals velocity. And, you know, some time ago, a few months ago, I think it was, I don't know who it was, Tim Ferriss or Benjamin Hardy or somebody that we happened to follow and listen to, you know, had suggested that 
when we read books, particularly these days, audio books, and we have a tendency to really want to speed things up. You know, how many, you know, somebody's saying, I'm reading a book a week, I'm committing to three books a month, they're going to read, 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 read. And the suggestion, and I know that even myself, I found that I was listening to books at, you know, 1.25, then to 1.5. And then depending on who the author is, sometimes I was even hitting 1.75 speed. So you start to you know, acclimatize your ear, which is great. You can actually hear it and you get it. But the point of this conversation on this podcast that I was listening to was stop it, slow down, unpack it, really dig into what those things say. And when we started looking at memes and quotes, I wanted to slow down and actually digest what they were saying and because all those memes, all those quotes, they all have relevance, but we have a tendency to just step over them. Well, I think the benefit of a little bit of benefit of social media is that, you you know, you can take a screenshot and and look at something and, and dig into it and drill into it and sit with it and see what it means to you. And then for us, I mean, we've always been inspired by authors. You know, we've been reading our, our whole life, my, for me, my whole life. And really been inspired by inspirational speakers, by the Deepak Chopras of the world and Wayne Dyers and, you know, right now the Ryan Holiday and the Stoics and, you know, to take the time and spend some time with, you know, touching the pages, turning the pages. And if it's an audiobook, to your point, on the plane, I listened to some audiobooks and I did. I slowed them right down to the author's voice. And honestly, it could actually, some of them can put me to sleep. Wait, I downloaded a book today on Kindle that Cheryl had recommended to me, by the way. Uh, I have not read it. And I thought it was really interesting. I did read some of the author. What do they do? They do kind of a sample. And um, it was a book on, let me just tell you exactly what the title is. But I want to say the book is called, it was by Martha Beck, wrote the this book called the way of integrity, the way of integrity. And you and I were planning for think tank weekend coming up March one, two, and three, we were whiteboarding some stuff. And when we got to the segment on integrity, you know, we talked and we spent quite a long time on integrity, defining integrity, how do we, you know, speak to it with our clients in a way that they can understand and be pragmatic and give it a definition and are we talking structural integrity? Well, kind of we are. We're talking about structural integrity in our own psychology, which is also impacting our physiology and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, the point of the book is Martha Beck, The Way of Integrity. I bought the book. I have not read it. Now, I bought it on Kindle, and <laughs> you'll laugh. The segue is this. You know why I buy it on Kindle instead of hard pages? Tell me. Well, number one, hard pages are heavy, and I like to read you know, more than one book at a time. So if I'm traveling, or we are traveling, then I don't have to carry books, number one. Number two, on my Kindle, I can make the font bigger. Closing. And so when, I, when my mind saw Martha Beak, it was also because my eyes are bad. Even with my glasses, I'm having trouble seeing these days. Anyways, that's... Uh, I thought that was funny. Okay, so what are we here to talk about? Speaking of unpacking things and kind of digging down, I did find, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I just wanted to carry on with, you know, because we did get, I did get some feedback and some somebody had said to me, it said, you know, you guys, you know, you break, you break down and unpack quotes and stuff, but we want to know more about you. We want to know more about how you guys do stuff, how you communicate, how you figure shit out and all that stuff. 
And the one that you found today is really impactful for me because it's really the areas, the seven areas that whether it was my mom that taught me some of these things or it's what I use in my coaching all the time. So I think this one's really powerful. So let's unpack these seven rules of life. Okay, well, that's the topic. We got this, came across this, that was seven rules of life. And I thought, why don't we go through these seven rules of life and nothing, you know, I didn't even know who the author was of them. And I thought, okay, well, no, they're good. Let's let's talk about them. And so the seven rules of life, let's take and uh, share a little bit of our perspective from them. I th- they're relatively, I don't want to say they're common, but they're certainly, you know, statements that I've seen before. So the first one was make peace with your past so it doesn't disturb your present. Make peace with your past so it won't disturb your present you go. What's your take on that particular topic? There's only really one way of being and one moment, and that is the present moment. But many of us are filtering our lives through our experiences of the past. And we've talked before is that our memories are designed for self-preservation. We're either the hero in our memories or we are the goat. Not, I mean, not even the greatest of all time, but <laughs> we are the hero yeah. <laughs> or we are the villain. And I think what happens is that we live our future through our past filters and we don't ever get to experience the present moment. And one of the things that I've done over the years and gosh, since 2000, I think is when I stumbled across the Hoffman, when we stumbled across the Hoffman process and I've been working and reading books and trying to come, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of trauma in my past, but I'm very, very grateful for that. But I think everyone does have a story that needs to be healed on some level. And in the early 2000s, we had stumbled across the Hoffman process. And that definitely is about forgiving your past and forgiving the process and the journey that got you there and loving what is. And, you know, I think the the best line that I've ever heard ever when it comes to healing is everyone is guilty. No one is to blame. Mm-hmm. Everyone is guilty. No one is to blame. And that is a Hoffman line that allowed me to create and make peace with my past. Well, I think we've discovered over the years that if we can help clients do nothing else but just kind of kill the story of their past, you know, there's a fundamental around it. And I don't want to minimize anybody's past story or trauma or whatever they might remember about it. But there is a certain reality that we have to look at, might take some pressure off, which is our past is just a memory of the past and it's filtered We can't really even be accurate in our memory, especially if it's years ago, because we're now filtering it through a whole different lens, you know, months or years later. And we have to be aware that it's just generally a story we're telling ourselves. There's a couple things around it. Number one, you can't change the past. So how do you let it go? Uh, That's Well, you can't let it go either. That's ridiculous. It is what it is. It is what it is. Exactly. So when you look at make peace with your past, part of it is that... By making peace with the past, accepting it for what it is, and it doesn't have to be healing it. It just has to be, I think, accepting it so that it doesn't own you. And that will make you and keep you present to what's happening in the moment, which is all you have, which is where opportunities live, where relationship lives, where insights and wisdom is gained, is in those moments by being present. So I think when I look at make peace with your past, it really is getting flat with the fact that there's nothing about your past you can change. It is what it is. And I know that, again, that's still a psychological thing. It is still a mental barrier. But the, the minute we can start to just, and it's the, not even forget about the past, it's just coming to the conclusion that you can't change it. And it takes you away from being 
present in the relationships you have, maybe the job that you're doing and the opportunities that might be presenting themselves based on this past story you're telling yourself. So I, you know, I don't know that we can get much deeper on it unless you have a different insight that somebody might benefit from. I think the last piece of that is to make peace with your past is that everything that's happened to you or for you has gotten you here. And I think there's a lot of that gold in that. And there's a lot of feedback and information in that if you allow it, as long as you don't use it as an excuse not to move forward or use it as a giant stick just to beat yourself up and the, the shame or the guilt or whatever that you may have going on. And then at the same time, there's a lot of people who can actually look at their past and go, I'm very, very grateful of what I went through in order to get me here so I can make new decisions or make decisions to move myself forward from this place. So regardless of where you come from, the work is there. There's there's modalities that of, of healing that are out there that are fantastic. There's different ways of dealing with your past and moving yourself forward. But for me, as long as you're not using it as an excuse not to live your best life, or at least to look at how you can live your life in a great way, then really that's I'm not surprised it's number one, make peace with your past. You know, it's, you know, just the only thing I would add to that is that what I've come over the years, and you know this, is that I don't hang on to anything in the past. I, the past for me is gone. I really can barely think about I just think you have a bad memory. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's what it seems like. I just don't hang on to stuff in the past. I will go back and sometimes beat myself up for decisions I've made in the past that weren't what I wanted, like ended up not being the best decision. But it goes back to what you said, whatever we're dealing with today, based on the decisions we made in the past, it's all what got us here. So you can't change it. And that's ultimately when I go through those stories, I let it go pretty fast. My point is, is that whatever wounds I had to heal in my past traumas in life, I think I've done that a pretty good job of that. And uh, I can be present. And if anything, I'm a future thinker. Okay, so that's just me. How about you? You're not a past person. You don't hang too much onto that. I mean, you got, yeah, you don't hang on to that. Okay, this is a big one. What other people think of you is none of your business. You want to know what other people think of you? It's none of your business. None of your business. It used to crack me up because it's such a paradox. You know, you, you think about how many times people have said, or I've heard people say, well, what will so-and-so think? What will so-and-so think? And the truth is, they're not thinking about you. They're worried about their shit. Well, that goes back to the phrase, which is, you know, it's not actually what people are thinking about you. It's what you think people are thinking about you. And that's what makes it even worse. And anyways, what other people think of you is none of your business. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect you. If you're making choices uh, that are based on your values, you're in integrity, you're being straight up. This is about you and what everybody else or anybody else thinks about it really isn't a consequence or an issue. And for the people who do judge you or criticize you or get vocal about it, that's their stuff, not your stuff. Again, it's remembering to be true to your values. That's the integrity conversation and not worry about other what other people think. And it's freaking hard, no doubt about it. You know, no doubt about it. As you and I over the years have put ourselves out there, we, we, we're judged all the time. There's people talking about us all the time. And quite frankly, nothing I can do about that. None of my business. Yeah, and my mom always said, well, you know, if they're talking about you, at least somebody else is safe, oh, right? I can handle mom. it. I got big shoulders. I know my truth. I know if someone's bullshitting about me, then you know, or telling tales about me. Maybe some of it's true, maybe it's not. But if if I can own my past and I can take responsibility for the things I've said and done, then you know what? Talk about me. 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names and words will never hurt me. And that's what I've really, really gotten to over the last four years. And this, all this stuff that's going on in the world is, you know what? Words can't hurt. Words don't hurt people. Words aren't mean. If you have the courage and to understand that people are going to judge you, they're going to say mean stuff about you. They're going to be haters out there. If you don't have the confidence, you don't have the, you haven't done the work to know who you are, then yeah, you're going to roll over and, you know, be worried about what other people think. But the truth is life is short. Clarity equals velocity. The clearer you are on who you are, it doesn't matter what people say about you, think about you. It's all just a made up story anyway. It is. Time heals almost everything. Give it time. Interesting about that one, because when you think about making, you know, so time heals almost everything. So that would speak to what's happened in the past. So to me, I just linked one and three in my head is that time heals almost everything. Give it time and connect that to one, which is make peace with the past. Let it go and don't live in that past story. And that will actually speed up the healing of any wounds and then not carry resentment. That's the poison, right? That's the phrase that resenting, hating, being angry at somebody else is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So when you carry that resentment, that anger, that hate, whatever word that you put in there, they don't care. It's like, it's like the snow doesn't care. You can be as angry at the snow as you want. It doesn't care. You, you still got to shovel it. Yeah, you still got to shovel it. And you can be angry and resentful for somebody that did something for you or to you and crossed you. They don't, it's not, they're not in your head. So the only damage it's doing is you. And somewhere, somehow you've got to be able to forgive. Not easy. So that goes to the time heals almost everything. So give it time. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I'm this one I'm not a big fan of because I've done so much work in the Demartini realm, which you can collapse something extremely painful, you know, to, and when you want to be able to do the work and see the benefit of something horrible that may have happened, or I saw Dr. John Demartini do somebody do a process with somebody who lost her son and her husband in the tsunami in the early 2000s mm -hmm. and she had hung on to it for years and years and years and time wasn't healing anything she was angry she was sad she was devastated she couldn't move on with her life and he took her through an exercise and within 20 minutes she was crying with gratitude not that they had died but the lessons that they had learned and she had brought forward from the time that they had together so until you can get to gratitude so to me it's not time that heals almost everything it's gratitude that heals everything. Well, seeing, you listened to my podcast last week. I did. And that's what I actually, I wanted to link that to because it actually brought a little tear to my eye when I heard you talk about gratitude, because if you can get to the gratefulness and the gratitude about anything that's happened to you, you know, we talked about, you know, people that have left our lives or we've left their lives and just how grateful I am for those journeys and for those lessons. And, and yes, there's sadness and, and, and remorse and maybe some, you know, some disappointment, but the truth is there's so much joy and so much gratefulness and gratitude that I have. So I can get to that way faster instead of waiting for time to heal it. I want to do the work so that I can get to gratitude healing it. Well, isn't that, you know, it's interesting too, I think, is that we were, went for dinner, we were at friends on the weekend and there was whatever, there was six or eight couples there. And as we were in a conversation, there was, these relationships were, have been long-term and, 
there was the conversation about how getting back, you know, we're talking, we're having these conversations four years later, some from 2020, the polarity, the divisiveness still continues and how many relationships were broken down. Now, this particular group of people were no issues, nothing, but there was a number of people who weren't there that would normally have been there, but because of the, I guess, polarity and divisiveness in views of what was going on in the world at that time, those friendships broke down. And as we were talking about it is that some of those relationships are starting to come back, but does time heal almost everything? It kind of, how do we make peace with the past if not everybody's making peace with the past? What other people think, isn't it interesting? Are we just talking about these rules? And when we, I think about this weekend and somebody was sharing that they had gotten together with friends that they literally hadn't seen for three years. Like, I mean, besties at the time. Uh, everything went south when they had the divergence of what they believed. There's a line. They said there was there, but there's now a line. There's a distance that, there's a place that you can't go in the conversation. I think knowing you and I, if we were there, we would probably bring it up and either make apologies or shine a light on it. This In this particular scenario, they're kind of operating on top of it. That's not generally how you and I go, generally. But anyways, it's just interesting, right? So time heals almost everything. Well, okay, maybe. Well, we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see in this particular generation of what will be healed and what won't be healed. And will families be able to, to weave themselves back together? And, you know, to your point, you know, there's a line that, that for some people will never be crossed again because it was just too, too painful. And then, you know, you take the top three rules, make peace with your past, what other people think of you is none of your business, and time heals almost everything. If I think about the last four years, I don't know if those are true anymore. I think gratitude and forgiveness is a big one. Forgiveness yeah. may, may begin to heal. Um, forgiveness, of course, is for me. It's not for the other person. It's the ability to forgive to give myself the room and the space and the grace to, to be able to move on from any hurt. But that I think takes an evolved soul. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm that yet, but I also know that there's people, there's certain people in the world that I'm not prepared to give up on. And then there's certain people that, you know, they really show their true colors and I'm okay to gently and lovingly walk away. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? I think there's two is that in those scenarios, what was broken was a long time of trust gained. And when, you know, when push came to shove and there was a divergence of beliefs and, you know, what they, how they saw the world at the time. So I think it's all very interesting. We'll see what happens with that one. Okay. No one is in charge of your happiness except you. Number four, no one is in charge. You are the boss of you. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, I think about over the last little while and, you know, I can dip my toe into sadness or feeling a little bit of depression or sorry for myself in certain situations. But the truth of the matter is, is that nobody's in charge of me but me. And, and if I want to be feel depressed and I'm going to feel depressed and I have to take responsibility and that doesn't leave, you know, a really good feeling in my body. There's an emotional an intellectual, spiritual and a physical response to to wanting to be happy i want the 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 dopamine i want the endorphins but there's sometimes that you know with over the last four years especially there's been a lot of sadness a lot of people have left 
consciously have left my life, left our life, um, and hopefully for, you know, greener pastures. But there's a lot of sadness that has compounded for me. And when I was looking at this um, topic and I'm thinking, I'm wondering if anybody else is feeling a form of PTSD after this whole, I want to call it um, pandemic traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, right? That there's certain people that will maybe never recover. Um, and there's some people that, that it's not affected. You know, yeah. we know people in our life that it hasn't affected, but mm. and they've been happy and joyful the whole time. Yeah. But not. That's the exception, not the rule is what I'm finding. But what do I know? What do I know? But let's go back to it. So no one's in charge of your happiness except you. And this goes back to what we've talked about on the show many times, which is, you know, as soon as you're looking for happiness outside of you, you know, what do you do? You buy a new car, you buy a new something, a shiny thing, you get that moment of, to your point, dopamine. And we can't get to that place of happiness, thinking that happiness lives outside of us because it doesn't. It is, it is a internal you you're the only one that is in charge of it and although it's not easy uh, goes back to what we talked about in the first three points gratitude got to get there got to get there and uh you know for me we, we talked about this before i think one of my the biggest gratitude that i have sometimes is you know some days when it's all the shit happens to be hitting the fan in any given direction uh, we've always got the dogs we also got our dogs they, they'll always make us smile and i'm always grateful to have the dogs in our life and happiness is an inside job i love that line it is it is it's not a, it's not about outside okay number five we're getting through it don't compare your life to others and don't judge them you have no idea whether they're what their journey is all about isn't that the truth? Don't make me say it. You never, ever, 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 ever five times know what's going on for someone else. Ever. Yeah. You know, this goes back to, yeah, it's not easy to do for sure. And I bring my own attention back to it. And sometimes you just have to love people for all their lunacy, it seems like. And, and hope they love us back for ours. Well, you hope so. But you can't compare your life to others. And this is where we can get into trouble if social media compare moments in time, literally a snapshot in time, literally watching somebody walk past or get a picture in a Lambo that they either rented and or they saw on the street and jumped out in front and got a picture. I mean, the stuff that goes on in that world. So you just got to be really cautious about how you compare yourself to others. I think there's a part of it that it's human nature. I don't know that I'm I don't know that I spend a lot of time comparing myself to others. I think it's probably at some level you look at it as a benchmark or I look at it as a benchmark, but I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. You know, we're, we've said many times, you know, I'm, I'm not into accumulation of stuff, as you know. Oh my gosh. If, seriously, if, if we compared ourselves even to our neighbors, 
we were like, hey, I should get a helicopter. Nah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All our neighbors have helicopters. I want a helicopter, I be getting a helicopter because they know I have a helicopter or because okay. I want a helicopter? I can't fly one, but maybe I should just have it here and park it. That's what I do. I'll offer it to somebody. I'll rent the space, the helicopter space. and they... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. Stop thinking too much. It's all right not to know the this answers. This one's for you. I know. Stop thinking. I do think a lot, don't I? Or maybe I, if people listen to me, they're going, "This that dude don't think. Okay, stop thinking so much. <laughs> it's all right not to know the answers. So do you give yourself permission? What's your thoughts on that one? This is the one that you said, I think too much, but. Yeah, well, I think because you, I don't know, it's probably because you're smart. You're smarter than me. And what happens is that my early on in my journey, I realized one of my favorite lines ever is there are no answers. There are only decisions. And I would rather spend my time coming up with a good question to make a decision rather than people are saying, oh, I don't have the answer. I need to seek the answer. What's the answer? I don't have the answer. And I think early on, I used to hear you say, like, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. I'm like, I... and then I was like, there are no answers. There's only decisions. And then you like the decision, you know, or you make the decision you like the result you get, or you and then you change it. It's just quicker. So for me, clarity versus velocity is the quicker I can come up with a great question and make a decision. I don't need to worry about getting the answers. The answers will show up for me and then I can just take the choice to move in the direction of what is working in alignment with the, the result or the decision or the values that I'm trying to, to bring forward. So I don't think too much. I I meditate a lot. And what I've learned over the years, oh my gosh, hon, it's like been 30 years since we've been meditating. You realize that, right? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So when I think the more I meditate and I believe that it compounds so that I actually don't think very much. I feel a lot. I intuit a lot. But if I think, A, I get a headache or B, I get in trouble because I even move through life with my gut, with my intuition. There's times when I'm at an event, for example, when I was in China, you know, I was like, okay, I need to, I'm really, you know, time zone and schedule dyslexic and I have a really hard time seeing things in order. So sometimes I have to put it aside and go, okay, well, I need, I know I'm going to be where I need to be in that moment. If I have to see a certain client at a certain time, what I started to trust is I'd go down the elevator, the door would open and there'd be the client and we would walk into the meeting. I'm like, phew, I didn't even know I was supposed to be on that bus at that time. You know, so really trusting my gut, trusting my intuition, because if I get caught up in my intellect, it can be a nightmare and I can blow shit up. Yeah, there's a part of it where I don't disagree when I've said I don't have the answers. I, of course, I've said that. I look at it now where nothing's worse than not having the answers when you're looking and not knowing what to do. Not knowing what to do is the worst place to be as a business person, as an entrepreneur. But I've also re, I restate that now in my own mind is I what questions am I not asking myself? So in other words, it goes back to the, the quote that, you know, the quality of your life is a reflection of the quality of the questions you ask yourself. And that's, it's not that you're looking for answers, you're looking for the right questions. That is really more of the position of it. You're far more tapping into your intuition than I do. You slow down far more than I do to actually let the answers show up, whether it be in your meditation or just your intuition or just a little voice in your head that goes, Boop. and even when I sometimes have those voices, which I have had many times over the year, I don't necessarily 
listen to it. And it's always in hindsight, I'm going, oh, shit, I remember when I had that thought, why didn't I grab it and, and kind of pay attention to it? That always annoys That's me. An interesting lesson. And one of the other biggest lessons I found over the years is that in order to create space for the answer or for the next decision to show up is that I had to get okay with not knowing. I remember creating the space of what I call the I don't knowness. If if it's okay that I don't know right now, it just softens my intellect. And I go, if I don't know, and if there's a higher power out there, or if there's a collective consciousness, and if I just go, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm completely vulnerable to what it is that I don't know. And I can tap into that I don't knowness and the collective consciousness and that that there's a higher power or somebody bigger, smarter than I am. Then sometimes I'll do that at night. I'll throw that up and go, I, you know what? I just don't know. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll know. And it'll be this, not a belief, not a thought. It'll be like, shit, oh my God, I know what I have to do right now. I just know. And then I don't question it. I just know and then it's a gentle move forward and whether it's go out and pick up dog poop or, you know, make a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar decision. I, I just know. Yeah. You're better at that than me. Okay. Final one. Smile. <laughs> Funny. I, if I could show you right now above my camera is a piece of tape that I wrote smile on it. And I'm not kidding about that. So that's because why? Because I am not a smiler by by nature. I I just am not walking around with a big smile on my face. I've always got this more serious look on my face. And I have had to, over the years, actually practice remembering to smile. And it's not that I'm not happy or that I don't think it, like, I'm good. Just doesn't show up as a smile all the time. And that's been just, I don't like it. So it's well, a smile. People have said to you. Grancy, tell your face. Are you happy? Tell your face. <laughs> we'd be in meetings and somebody would, uh, we'd do this thing and somebody would say, well, okay, well, why don't we do this and this? And I'd go, that's a great idea. And then somebody on the team would look at the person across there and go, don't worry, that's his happy face. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, got it. You know, it's funny, again, back to my mom. This one is, relates a lot to my mom is one of the things she always said to me, if you can't enter a room smiling, just wait. Yes. Enter a room with a smile on your face and calm energy. Don't enter a room if if you're having to be big and boisterous or you're looking to have attention. Wait until you can smile gently, put a smile on your face and enter a room with calm energy. And I always remember that because I have a big I can enter a room quite quite big and bold and I always, you know, recently have heard that, you know, the person that laughs the loudest or is the loudest is usually the most broken. And I never wanted to be that person. I always wanted to be able to enter a room with a smile on my face. And I actually, I have my stepisms. I have these 52 cards that Marnie Griffiths made for me. So I have 52 cards of sayings that I've been saying over the years. And one of them is enter a room with a smile on your face. Well, the rest of that, which I didn't read, was you don't own all the problems in the world. But that goes back to what I'm saying. I, by nature, you know, number one, I think too much. So I've always got that thinking look on my face. And it's not that I own all the problems in the world, but I'm sometimes thinking and I get a little more serious and I just don't smile by nature. Now, is that an excuse? Maybe, but I'm aware of it. And I even put a smile sign above my camera, which is to say that we're often on camera as those who follow us know. 
And so in order for me to remember to smile, I put a sign up. I thought that was genius. That's brilliant. You know what's really funny, just before we wrap this up, is that I can actually, um, when I'm doing sales calls or teaching our team to talk about sales calls on the phone, especially warm calls or pull calls, is to put a smile on your face before you start talking. Because it really does make a difference. You know, it's that grumpy sound or that kind of that, you know, I had a client today and the minute she said hi, I was like, oh, oh, what's wrong? And she's like, how do you know? Because <laughs> I can hear the, that energy. And if your smile, if your energy is going up and your cheekbones and you're using your mandibular and the, and the muscles in your cheek and, and in your mouth, there's an energy that comes from that rather than kind of down like this. And I don't know if the podcast people can hear it, but, you know, I have a lot of friends that have a natural... I just want to know that if I'm not using my what? Your mandibular. Oh, where, where do you get this from? <laughs> right. I have this thing about using anatomical words. I One of the things that I loved about university is that I remember all my anatomy. And what I hate about university is I remember all my anatomy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so uh, recap. Seven rules of life. Make peace with your past so that you don't disturb your present. What other people think of you is none of your business. Time heals almost everything, so give it time. No one is in charge of your happiness except you. Don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. Stop thinking so much, Patrick. It's all right not to know the answers. And smile, you don't own all the problems in the world. I did smile when you got home. I smiled when I saw that uh, we have lots of everyday millionaire mindset matters followers and we ranked really high and uh, appreciate the everyday millionaire community. And thanks for listening. You got choices of lots of podcasts. So it's always great when you listen to this one. Stephanie, any final words? Other than that, on the YouTube, um, we have one or two or seven followers and, and, and we have the uh, Stephanie and Patrick YouTube channel at my dad's house. So I just want to shout out to Paul and Michael and said, hey, the Stephanie and Patrick YouTube channel is saying hey to you. And um, I love you guys. And thanks for watching. And uh, that was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.